0: All right, guys, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. And on the show with me today, I've got two guys that I just met over Zoom uh, like two days ago, but they already feel like longtime hunting friends of mine. Just the way that we communicate, the way that their passion comes through in what they say, uh, they're guys that I feel like could be hunting buddies of mine for a lot of years to come. And we actually discussed that here on the podcast about potentially doing a North Dakota trip where we waterfowl. upland and predator hunt and so hopefully we can make that happen this fall but um aj and matt they run high point outfitters it's a waterfowl guide service that hunts everywhere from the dakotas and minnesota all the way down into arkansas and so yeah you're going to hear all about their passion all about what they do and hopefully you hop on their social media platforms and see exactly what they're about In person so we're gonna dive right into this I hope you all enjoy it I definitely had a good time talking here we go
1: like he was doing
0: things that were just badass that was one of the coolest moments of my life I was really scared but knowing that Dean had the gun I did have the rifle like we would be okay Alright guys, welcome to the show. On the show with me today, I've got Matt Robertson and AJ Kalupa and I am already regretting not recording for the last 30 minutes because we've been <laughs> chatting and it's been great conversations. But uh, we actually recorded a lot of the content you're about to hear. We recorded it the other night, but the audio didn't come through Um like I was hoping. And so we're going to re record. And I have no problem with that because these guys are awesome and I enjoy talking to them. That's so exactly thanks what for being said. on the I'm show. I'm not even
1: mad. Yeah. I was like, man, yeah. our first one was so good. It was so fun that uh, we aren't mad that we have to do this again. So
0: yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, uh, even just texting with you guys, I'm like, I feel like you guys are just my hunting buddies now. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, well,
1: you know what? That makes for better conversation too. It makes it like, you know, that was our first podcast. And now instead of it like being forced, now it's just natural. We can just talk, just shoot the shit, and just have fun. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, the AJ I was telling I was telling Matt he in the in the follow up email to schedule this um, phone call. It says any additional information that will help me prepare for the podcast, and he just put the Bears and. <laughs> And then when I first got on with him in the background, he had a big Bears flag, and I was like, "Why did I have this guy back on the show?" <laughs> I was like, "I should not have told them we're rescheduling. I don't need to talk to to this guy anymore."
1: <laughs> Dude, I don't know how he does it, but uh, I don't know how I do it, and I'm the one that I that admits I'm a Chicago Bear fan.
0: So yeah, I mean, if if I was from Chicago, I would claim the Bulls, and that's it, and I wouldn't even claim claim today's Bulls. I'd still claim like no, the nineties bulls,
1: nineties bulls for sure. But Chicago is so blue collar, and it's such a <clears throat> as much of it, it as you may think. Yeah, like the Bulls had six championship rings there. The Blackhawks have won a few Stanley Cups. The Cubs finally did it. You know, White Sox suck. But it is a it that is a Chicago Bear town through and through. Like they love the Chicago Bears more than they love anything else. And. I don't know. When I grew up, it was you either like the Chicago Bears, Chicago Bulls, Cubs, or you don't like sports.
0: Well, (laughs) I think the I think the mayor there is still Mike Ditka, isn't it? Like they just said he's the mayor forever.
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) Hurricane Mike, absolutely.
0: Oh man, (laughs) it's I love blind. I love like the blind following of sports when people are just so like, I mean, tunnel vision on their team. I I give. Packer fans about it a hard time all the time because they're like, "Oh, this is our year. We're going to go back to the Super Bowl." And I'm like, "You have nothing to base that on." I'm a yeah. realistic Packer fan. I know that we suck sometimes. We're not always good. <laughs> we're always decent, but we're not always good. Anyways, yeah, you're this is
1: this is not right.
0: a sports podcast. This is a hunting podcast.
1: No, absolutely,
0: but we could talk about bear hunting.
1: Absolutely. There you go. I hear. Uh, I hear you've you've done that, haven't you? Or you're
0: going to? I, I hope to at some point. The problem with bear hunting, um, like if I were to go for a grizzly, is you have to have a guide for it, and it's so expensive. Like you can't oh, just yeah. go and grizzly hunt. You can black bear hunt all you want, but once you get into grizzly hunting, I think even the unguided trips where they basically just drop you off in an area, and those would be sweet. it's unguided, it's like $13,000 just for the unguided trip. And I just don't feel like paying that. So I think what I'm going to do, the guy I'm going up with uh, in August, he's looking at buying a duplex up there. And he wants my wife and I to live in one side of it and renovate the other side. And then we'll switch and live in the side that's renovated and renovate the one that we were living in. And if we do that, what I might do is just stay up there for like six months and do it. Because then I think I can get resident tags and I won't have to have a guide at that point. Ooh. So that's a conversation we're going to have. We're going to actually stay in the duplex that we're looking at buying or he's looking at buying uh, for the first 3 days of our trip. So I'm kind of pumped about that.
1: Dude, that would be unreal. Could you imagine? You could wake up and go salmon fishing. <laughs> you could Oh yeah. house fishing. You could go shoot a bear, you could shoot a goat, you could shoot a moose.
0: Well, and it's, it's right terrible. around. It's right down the street from the place that we stayed last time we were there. And we could see the ocean. And you'd wake up and you'd walk out on the front porch and you'd hear like psh, whales. And it sounded like a whale was right next to you. It's so loud. I mean, when they blow awesome. and you look and you're looking and looking, and it'll be like a half mile away, but it's so loud that it sounds like it's right next to you. We had, uh, I'm trying to remember what kind of whale it was now. I think it was a gray whale. Those aren't the huge ones, but they're still pretty big. But anyways, it came up and was splashing, smacking its tail on the water right next to our boat, like less than 60 yards away. Um, We saw sea lions and seals and uh, what are they called? Puffins. Those, those ducks uh, with the orange face. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a toucan mixed with a duck. Um, (laughs) So many cool things. So, Yeah. Hopefully, at some point, I'll be up there and waterfowl hunting. There would be
1: so sweet. Oh my gosh, I have a uh, I have a good friend that um, just well, I think it was a couple of years ago. Maybe it wasn't this last fall; it was the fall before. Matt Dalstrom went up to. Uh, he's done some stuff with uh, Followed Reality guys, if you know who Followed Reality is. Oh yeah, uh, they did a they did a few hunts up there, and they killed Brandt. He said the duck hunting is unreal. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, the Unreal. the flats up there, like, all, oh, yeah. I mean, all over Alaska, you think Alaska is just like huge mountains, but there is so many river basins that are miles wide. And it's just like oh, yeah. a whitetail mecca. And just it's untouched. Flat. Like, nobody, some of these birds probably never see people. No.
1: Mm-hmm. no. Yeah, probably
0: not. Hopefully one of these years I'll do that. And then the other thing I want to do, have you seen the the birds that live on the bluffs? Um, I don't remember if it was on National Geographic or what, but I saw an Inuit tribe up there, and they would go hang out on these cliff edges, and they made these poles with, like, uh, super long, like, pine saplings, and then they had nets on the end of them, and these birds would be flying because they nest on the bluffs, and they just swoop them out of the air with the nets. With nets. Yeah. Yeah. And then then they make these caches of them. And they don't put them in a freezer or anything. They basically bury them under rocks and they'll come back all throughout the year and like pull them out and eat them. Yikes. I wouldn't That's do a... that part of it, but I would definitely try to catch them with a the net.
1: <laughs> yeah. They'd yeah. like, Oh, how did Dan Dack Yeah. He fell off a cliff trying to catch birds. <laughs> he thought if he had <laughs> enough
0: birds in the net that they would carry him away and it didn't work. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, why don't we talk about this? Why don't we talk about your guide service? Because uh, I know we chatted about that in our first conversation. Um, but tell me about that. How'd you guys get into that? And um, what are you looking forward to most with it?
1: Um, well, we, uh, AJ and I kind of kicked around the idea back in like February, February. January, February, January. Um, um, I was working for a, uh, for a guide service at the time. I wasn't really happy with it. Um, and I have, I have a few friends in the industry that were also looking as well. And it just kind of came over beers and it was like, Hey, why don't we do this? It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's a lot of work. It was just, you know? a, it was just kind of a drinking idea. We were just talking about it. You no, know, you're just sitting there drinking, just shooting it. And it's like, yeah, you just word vomit. Yeah. It's only official and,
0: uh, if you have the napkin that you wrote the name of the outfitter on, like, pretty framed yeah, down absolutely.
1: Right. That, that type of conversation. And I was, uh, I was gearing up to head down to Arkansas. It was actually that weekend. Um, and I went down there, just confirmed the idea that I wasn't happy with the outfitter that I was with. And, uh, I came back and one of the other guys that was working at that outfitter with me, had said the same thing. He and I both kind of were done with it after that trip. And I called AJ and I said, Hey let's man, it. Troy's in. Like, do you think we can do this? Like if we're going to do this though, we gonna do go, do we're going to go, we're going to go both feet in. We're not doing this half ass. And he goes, all right, let's do it. So, um, it leapfrogged. It just kind of happened on its own. It, yeah. was, it was like, it was like a river just flowing. It, it just, everything started happening and happening. And Matt's one hell of a businessman. So he, he just took off with it. And, you know, luckily both of our jobs, his more than mine, our day jobs, you know, allow for some extra time to be, you know, to use to pay attention to the, to the idea of it. And I already had a kind of a following already. So we just kind of took the name that I had and, and branched off of it. And it just, one thing led to another and holy crap. Now we're sitting here like, yeah, sold on our first bunch of hats. Oh. And I mean, it may not ex- it may not seem that exciting to some, but I mean for us, like, everything that we have in the works is insane. Just oh, yeah. even the opportunities has been huge I mean we I, we worked it out to where we got hooked up with a duck club down in Arkansas. yeah, shout out for him. Um, yeah, Kevin O'Sullivan at O'Sullivan Duck Club. Um, we hooked up a deal with them to where um, he's going to allow us to or he's going to provide the lodging and the meals. Nice. um, for like a, for a snow goose package down in Arkansas. We went down there in February. It was tough. We went down there with a skeleton crew. That was kind of our, um, <clears throat> you know, it was me, uh, and a couple of guys that work with us. It's, it's Troy and chance and clay and, uh, also Luis Barrett. He's a pretty, pretty notarized photographer, videographer. Um, and we went down there kind of on a prove it type deal to ourselves, not to anybody else, just to prove that we could do this. And, a lot of guys down there, um, I don't know, they just kind of sit in the same field and they might change their spread here and there. We changed our spread every day. We tried A-frames. We tried laying in the whites. We tried laying on the edge. We tried A-frames on the edge, A-frames in the middle. Um, you know, and we were picking up with, I mean, we, we, five, yeah. well, yeah, I would say with three of us, we were picking up 2000 plus decoys. You know, you get two separate e-collars you got five a-frames that we were hunting out of you know Dang. or you have 10 to 11 12 backboards like not that that's a lot to pick up but i mean it doesn't sound like it but when you're doing it and you're and scouting and scouting on top of it you know holy cow and we were making deals for the guys that were with us so we hey, went through that hold trip. up it one sucked. second oh. i gotta
0: give me one second i'm gonna try to show you this thing i just looked down and there's like a mini tarantula. Walking across my. Dude, I don't do spiders. Look at this. Oh, (laughs) you see that thing? Oh, I saw, I saw like a shadow moving out of the corner of my eye. And I was just like, oh, you know, it's just my eyes like I'm focusing here. It's messing with me. And then I look down and it's just like coming at me. So I'm going to have to deal with this thing really quick. (laughs) Dude, that's gross. Oh, man. Oh, dude. Here we go. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) This is going to make for some interesting audio. Oh, dude, <laughs> smoked him.
1: That's when with I need sandal? one of those
0: bug assaults. He just. I'm gonna.
1: One. I'm gonna send you one, dude.
0: Oh, dude, I, I need one so, so bad.
1: I I had a friend over the other night, and we were in the garage for like two and a half hours, just smoking bugs with that thing. Oh yeah, it's entirely too much fun.
0: Oh, dude, sorry, man. I'm like, I got the creeps right now. My <laughs> whole body. It's, 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 I, I don't like do these bumps. Me either. I, don't I, don't I hate spiders. Spider. I hate spiders and I hate snakes. Forget Call it me a push, dude,
1: but I don't do spiders. Nope. That was fucking funny. You can't make that shit up. No. <laughs> dude, i have
0: never—I've had spiders in my house before. I have never had a spider that size anywhere. I mean, they probably have been.
1: Dude, oh, that wow. thing
0: for real—it was this was big around. I mean, like and furry
1: legs. Gross. Oh. Disgusting. All right. That's disgusting we're both well, no to but I, like i was saying we kind of just wanted to go down there and approve it deal, to prove it to ourselves each and every one of us that was down there busted their behind it was unreal to watch and after that trip i called him on my way home and i said we have the right guys for this for sure um you know kind of like you said it was kind of like a, each thing kind of just it was a step above what it you know what we were looking for and i don't know it's motivating it's yeah. cool, you know. Um, and now, you know, we're uh, we're going to hook up with our friends at Capable Partners in Minnesota um, up at Game Fair. Um, that's a group of gentlemen that are all disabled. They love to hunt. They love to fish. And um, they they do hunts. They do duck hunts, and they are snipers. I mean, these guys are paralyzed from the belly button down or from the, from the tits down, and I'm watching them shoot mallard ducks, you know, Going away, going cross and right to left and shoot them at 35 yards stone dead and that's still awesome. running a dog. Yeah. But those guys, uh, they have a booth at, at Game Fair here in Minnesota. It's kind of a, uh, uh, what do you, well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's a game fair. It's a, it's a fair for outdoorsmen. It's yeah. a big outdoorsman. It's a, I mean, fishing, hunting, upland waterfall, big game. I mean, everything with the outdoors. It's Dogs. a huge fair. Dogs. That's it's awesome. a big dog. Exactly. Actually out of Falconry. Color. Yeah. If Dang. there's anything you want, it you should you should try to make in Minnesota. That that'd be one of them. But I mean, Man, we're at the point sweet. now where we're gonna where we're just gonna share a booth with those guys and you know be able to sell some some swag and and hopefully book some hunts. But I mean, as far as the guide service goes, this stuff is taking off quite a bit, and we're super super excited about it. We got a big year coming ahead for sure. Running hunts in Minnesota, South Dakota, Southeast Missouri for specklebelly hunts. We're working on that. It's not for sure yet but the Arkansas snow boost package and just the Arkansas snows in, in itself is, is exciting. And to be hooked up with a duck club that is of that caliber um is really, I guess it shows, it shows how, how far we've come, you know, leaps and bounds from the start.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm, I mean, I'm pumped for you guys to have a booth at something like that too. Like when, speaking of the game fair, when is that? So it's, it's in August.
1: yeah, it's in August. It's two okay. weekends. It's August 13th, 14th, and 15th, and then the following weekend. They're only Friday, Saturday, Sundays.
0: I'm going to write that down quick um, because that sounds
1: like a good time. Oh, people come from all over the country. They do. And, um, I mean, you're from Wisconsin. You know that the Minnesota State Fair is huge here, right? Oh, yeah. Well, with with everything that's going on, that didn't happen last year. I mean – we kind of, we kicked it back and forth. We kicked the tires on it, man. Should we do it? Like if we have the opportunity, well, all the booths were sold out, but luckily we have some friends that are willing to help us out. So, um, I mean, this is going to be the year to do it because it's going to be the biggest one that they've had guaranteed.
0: Everybody can make it last year. And so now they're all going to pile in.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause they can go out and do things now, you know, I'll send you the link on Instagram right now.
0: Oh, sweet. Yeah. That'll be cool. I love yep. going to outings like that. I mean, i I grew up going to like the great outdoor games and like the DU stuff, like the big outdoor festivals. And
1: it's the same. I, it's the same thing as all that. Yeah. yeah. And then, so a game fair, they also have like calling contests for ducks and geese. You know, so that's really cool. Um, you know, the uh, Josh Miller with Riverstone Kennels and Tom Dockin show up, and they do like training seminars, and you can kind of do like little mini trial runs with your own dogs Ooh, too. That's and dive cool. job. Doc jumps at prizes
0: oh, yeah. and such a great time. Yeah. Outdoors yep. paradise. And I, I remember, I don't know if they do it still probably, but, uh, they used to do like gun raffles all the time and they'd have like oh, hundreds yeah, of guns that, guns that they raffle off. I remember I watched this one dude. I mean, he probably put in for every gun. I watched him win four guns at the gun raffle. And I was like, why didn't I put in? I mean, it was like 20 bucks a ticket, but still I'm like, you put 200 bucks in. Your odds of winning one is pretty good.
1: Right. I mean, I've, I've been a member of DU, and I've gone to countless DU banquets. I can't say that I've ever won anything at any of those. No. Nothing major like that. No. Speaking won- of raffles, we, we were kicking around the idea of maybe raffling off a snow goose hunt down at, at Game Fair as well. That'd be sweet. So, yeah. Three-day package for two people. I mean, we still got to obviously look into it and kind of price out what a ticket Per ticket price would be, but oh, yeah, yeah, that'd would, be awesome. I, I mean,
0: well. I see people making money, especially on social media, with that stuff all the time. They're like, Hey, win this new boat and a truck to pull it. All you have to do, you know, like every dollar oh, spent yeah. on our website gets an entry. I'm like, Dude, just to sell some t shirts and hats, you could probably mm-hmm. make a killing just doing little raffles like that
1: here and there. Oh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, we sold out our first batch of hats in like two hours, two and a half hours, it was unreal. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh-huh. And speaking of, I just got the new ones in, so they're not these, but, um, you got the new ones in. So that's that one of those has got your name on it for sure. Sweet. I appreciate it.
0: I'm looking at Yeah, I talked with my wife yesterday about that, about getting hats, um, hats and stickers done that, that way I could send them to all the guests that come on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I think what I'm going to do is once I have, uh, like our home built, we're going to build a big shop house and I'm going to have a back corner of it is going to be a room. That's my podcast studio, but I want to hang like all of the hats of all the podcast guests up on the wall. Like maybe That'd be cool. so, that would be really cool. I mean, I'm going to have to have a lot of guests on and they're all going to have, I'm going to be like, Hey, do you have a hat company? Okay. never mind.
1: Next <laughs> guest. Well, I mean, if you're looking for more people to, to for guests to have on your podcast, I could, give you a a definite list of people that would probably be interested yeah nice yeah that'd be awesome i can we can even do one just specifically with upland i got tons of we got we all send tons of people your way
0: yeah that'd be fun and uh if i come up for that game fair we're gonna have to do like a live one in the booth or the tent or something
1: oh absolutely for For sure bring the family we got two places to stay for free for you so
0: nice that sounds awesome um well, Hey, talk to me real quick about, uh, the, the dog training portion of what you do. Cause I know I, I saw a bunch of videos on the Instagram of you running dogs and, um, you're not only into waterfowl hunting, but upland hunting as well.
1: Right. So we both came from, you know, an obsession with waterfalling and I, I worked for an outfitter for, um, a few years and it did some upland hunts for them and, you know, it, then we, and then I kind of left that, that place. And that's when Matt and I started this deal, but growing up, it was a huge tradition, family tradition for, for waterfall hunting. You know, my grandfather had a decoy company and we still to this day hunt over all of his hand carved cork decoys. And, um, it was just, it's something we, it's like religion for us. Right. And and then when my dad was growing up, he, uh, he wanted to start something on his own and just kind of go teach himself something and, and learn, learn a sport, you know, in the outdoors that he can just go off and do and, uh, self-teach and meet new people and whatnot. And, uh, he passed, he did that with Upland and started, you know, working with some dogs with, with people that he grew up with and, and got into it. And then as I grew up into it, I took, you know, a liking to both of them an obsession to both of them. And, uh, when I kind of, when I moved out and went on my own, I, I took it from just upland hunting and I just took it to the next level and, and it just kind of exploded from there. Now I'm, I'm no, you know, big person in in the game by any means, like, you know, very, very minimal compared to what's who's out there. But, uh, yeah, I started, you know, making my own bloodlines here or basing off of famous bloodlines and these pointing dogs. They're all English setters and uh did some guiding with them and then field trialing and then you know it just one thing leads to another and now now i got a whole string of dogs and travel around the mid upper midwest and you got one this weekend don't you yeah i got a field trial this weekend in minnesota yep, i've been the chairman of this field trial for four years now and and uh yeah it it's awesome it's an obsession it kind of extends the hunting season and it's just another another tool to add in my belt and see where it, where I can take it.
0: That's awesome. What, a I know like for, um, waterfowl dogs, there's different levels of certifications. Like once mm-hmm. your dog passes this or that, what, what does that look like for upland dogs?
1: So, uh, there's many different upland field trial associations, like, um, the versatile hunting dogs, NH, it was NHs. well, there's, there's NASTRA and then there's NAVDA, um, where there are a lot of versatile hunting dogs and uh, hunt tests and things like that, that are very similar to the waterfall dog, you know, field trial game and hunt test game. Um, I do more of uh it's called the cover dog with cover dog field trial association, which is American uh, field trial association okay. who, who oversees it all. And uh, there there's three levels. You start at puppy, And you go to derby and then shooting dog and then it can even expand from there uh it's all by age and you do have to qualify for them you know once once you qualify a derby to run in a shooting dog you know they can you can always compete up but never back you know what i'm saying so you can always compete ahead of yourself as far as age brackets but um, you can go into horseback stuff you can go into all age stuff and national events and and things like that. Um, I'm a part of the Minnesota Grouse Dog Association. So we do a bunch of stuff in Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, our field trials, we, we, you know, go to neighboring regions and, and neighboring states. And it's all wild birds. Everything's wild. And they do it. It's, a, it's an old old soul type of game. It, it, when the field trials originated, you know, for this field trial association, Back, you know, in the early 1900s, I mean, we still do everything pretty much just like that. Judging cool. hasn't, judging hasn't changed. I mean, we were turning dogs loose with, you know, nowadays we run, you know, uh, GPS collars on our dogs. Yep. Uh, we're not allowed to look at the GPS collar. We shut the transmitter off, make sure it connects and then hand it to the judge. And if you do need your GPS to find your dog, then you take yourself out of the competition. Uh, so we're running based off just a bell. A dog bell nice and in the woods and it's it's still done today as it was when it started which is really cool
0: that's so awesome there's something about like watching a dog work um and it's with anything i mean whether it's waterfowl upland um i hunted behind beagles for my first time two seasons ago and i mean i never thought like rabbit hunting with beagles was going to be anything special, but there's something about just watching a dog, like be so pumped up about what it's doing. And I mean, it's something that for generations it was bred to do and now it actually has the opportunity. And so that'd be cool. I've never, I've never upland hunted behind dogs before. Um, and so I want to see that so bad.
1: You know, every dog that does it is insane. Um, I mean, and no matter what job it is, and, uh, the, every one of them blows my mind. I don't care if it's, um, you know, German dogs and like shepherds and whatnot, as far as bite work goes, that's incredible. You got your cattle dogs. They're incredible. Waterfall dogs are insane. They're they all, how they're bred to do it and send their blood to do it. It's, it blows my mind every single time, no matter what dog it is. Yeah. Um, and I grew up with Chesapeake's actually for waterfall hunting and I will get back into it when I have the room and time and money, just like we always talk about. Yeah. Uh, but it's, incredible to watch. You know, I, I still giggle like a schoolgirl when I'm seeing my dogs do, you know, do good things in the field. It's just I'd rather actually not even carry a shotgun and have everybody else carry a shotgun. And, you know, it's all one big experience for me. So yeah. Um, it's a different game. You know, I can, out in North Dakota, I can turn a dog loose and he will be 500 600 yards out and they'll they'll hammer a covey of birds or point a bird and they're going to stay there until i get there
0: that's so cool it's it's maybe that's the trip we need to plan we'll plan a north dakota trip because last time we talked you guys talked about north dakota and now i can't stop thinking about it oh
1: yeah north dakota is huge for me i spent a lot of time out there whether it's pheasant hunting sharp tail grouse hunting um coyote hunting uh waterfall walleye fishing I mean it, it doesn't matter what it is has got it all
0: Now I just need to figure out how many days I need to plan to be
1: up there cuz well, I'm the down state, for all of that I guess if you're going to do yeah if are going to do waterfalls 2 7 day periods same again up- same with upland. So yeah. it, it, all the licensing is 2 7 day periods and you can choose what okay. 7 day periods are Nice Yep Yeah. That'd be a good time. Mm -hmm.
0: I, I like hunting new States. I told my wife, I want to start doing a deal where it's like, I check States off the list. Not that I'll never go back, but I want to hunt something in every state. I just think that would be cool to see how, how different States operate and then like the different landscape that you can hunt because growing up in Wisconsin, it's all woods. I mean, it's all woods and cornfield that we hunted. And so I didn't Mm -hmm. know anything but that. And then moving down here to Missouri, it's like, you'll have, almost a rolling grassland that you just didn't expect to be down here. Um, and then you'll have the mountains, the Ozark mountains. Um, you still have ag fields and stuff, but big rivers with huge bluffs. And there's something about the adventure of being in a new place in hunting. And then also like the game in that place. Um, oh, yeah. So North Dakota is definitely high on my list after our last, our last. Well, the, thing about
1: travel, the thing about traveling is, I mean, even if you're hunting the same, game you know you're chasing the same the same game in different states it can change it can you know hunting let's just say waterfall in north dakota and then you go to colorado and hunt you know the same species of waterfall it, it it's it can be totally different oh yeah and how you attack things <laughs> and how you go at things your strategy situations and your strategies change with everything else it's a it'd be a huge learning learning deal it'd be awesome yeah. So yeah. Go, like, like up here up here for ducks and you know you're you know it all too well from being from wisconsin you can shoot mallard ducks and even wood ducks in a dry field all day long yeah you get on arkansas you're shooting them in the timber or you're shooting them on a flooded rice field you're not shooting them in a dry field no you know so i'm sure it's been done before but you don't set up in a rice field that's not flooded to hunt ducks you just don't do it no
0: and i i mean i learned the difference in waterfowl hunting, just moving out to Colorado for that short time. I was on the front range of Colorado. I mean, literally a couple miles from the mountains. You could see all the mountain range. And there would be like, yeah, there would be little ponds covered in cattails. And I would go out and do like um I'd do eradication of muskrats for my boss. He had muskrats all over on his ponds and they would tear everything up. And so in the spring I would go out there and take a couple out for them well i saw cinnamon teal i've got pictures of cinnamon teal i've never killed one it's like top of my list for a bird that i want to shoot and i've got pictures and videos of them all spring long they hang out on those ponds and then they're gone come fall um but i never thought near the mountains in colorado would be a good spot to waterfowl hunt we hammered geese on this city field uh technically it wasn't in the city because it was ag land but it was the first stop from the golf courses and all the city ponds. The geese would just pile in by the thousands. And they we come just, in there blind for sure. Oh, yeah. I've got I've got a picture on my phone, and it's all the different hunts. And it, the weather was perfect. The weather, I think, was one of the big factors in how, why we did so good. Always. It was like almost every other picture. It would be snow on the ground, no snow, then snow, then no snow. And we we hunted it. I think it was 13 straight hunts. And we got eight man, eight man limits. And out there you can shoot five. I think in Wisconsin, it's only three geese right now. I don't remember. But uh, out in Colorado, you can shoot five geese
1: uh, Mm -hmm. per person per day. And we would just hammer them. Minnesota just changed it now. This year, we can shoot five. That's awesome. So, And then for the first time ever, they open a uh, early teal season. I know Wisconsin has it. Yep. Wisconsin has i guess in my opinion more blue teal than um than we do but it would be interesting to see how many wood ducks get shot during early teal season this year <laughs> it'll be a lot man i don't know i've never gotten into the teal in minnesota enough, enough to specifically target them i haven't i mean i killed kill you kill a handful but that's i guess what everybody's worry kind of was was that and how many ducks It's going to push out of the immediate area before duck season actually opens, you know, yep. we already have a season early. Yep. Great. youth. Yeah.
0: Yep. Oh man. I've seen all of that. I've been petitioning here. Uh, we did a waterfowl. Um, it was like a town hall meeting almost um, yeah. with the conservation department. And they asked about different season dates and what the splits were that we wanted because Missouri is broken down into the North, middle and South zone. And Um, So you can hunt, I mean, it extends the season, you can just drive up to the KC area and hunt super early. And then basically you've extended your season by like, almost 60 days that you can hunt. But um, one thing that I brought up in the meeting was opening up a wood duck season during the teal season, because all the wood ducks get pushed out when the teal take off. And so we don't have very, have it
1: be a dual season.
0: Exactly. We don't have great um, wood duck hunting, at least in the spots that I hunt. There's one spot in particular that we have found them, but for the most part, they're all gone. And then during teal season, we see them all the time. And there's a ton of people that mistakenly shoot wood ducks. I mean, I've seen it in guys that I've hunted with, like they'll, they'll pull up and blast. And I'm like, stop, stop wood duck, wood duck, wood duck. And after two shots, they're like, oh man, we're glad we didn't hit that. I'm like, yeah, me too. We'd be in a lot of trouble if we got busted doing that um oh, yeah. and so i quit taking people out who couldn't identify ducks on their own because i hate being the one that's like don't shoot at that don't shoot and you know how guys are once they get antsy oh yeah
1: that's that's a tough one because when you're guiding like you have to be the one to identify you know because mm-hmm. you can't you can't i mean obviously when you're hunting waterfowl you are responsible for your own limit yep. you know i can't have if we have five clients out, I can't have those five clients shooting my five geese. I have to take my own. Yep. And they have to take their own. But you know, in a situation like that, where, you know, you're it's why it's always a good, it's a good practice to maybe stop. Let's just, just to stop short, stop one bird short. I know everybody's hard on, they got a hard on for getting a limit and that's great, but you know, it's better to be safe than to be sorry because all it takes is for for something like that to happen. And then your outfit gets a bad name. And that's, ooh, that's, a, that's a fine line to play with. I was hunting with a buddy um, out in New Richmond, Wisconsin. I think this was like four years ago. And we were doing early teal season. <clears throat> and in early teal season there, like, I mean, I'm sure it's, it's going to be the same thing here. You can't shoot until sunlight, you know, sun up where mm-hmm. normally it's a half hour before. Yep. Can't shoot until some up so that you, you know, they want you to be identifying what you're shooting, obviously. And uh, my buddy nudges me on the shoulder, he goes, Hey, look at this flock of wood ducks. And there were these guys that had gone around this bend, they showed up late. And uh, it was like two seconds later, just boom, 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 oh, boom, man. boom, boom, boom. Dude, they killed like 13 wood ducks
0: during teal season.
1: Well, during teal season and we watched them get in their canoe and they paddled. Like it was immediately after that. Cause like we had hollered over there, like those are wood ducks that they just shot and they backed up and left. And we walked over there and they tried stomping them in the mud. I've seen, I've seen way too many
0: instances of that. Like out, uh, growing up in Wisconsin, we would go hunt the Mississippi. So I started out with my uncle and my cousin um, who are both phenomenal waterfowl hunters and they got me into it. And I was hooked after the first mallard was back flapping, like right off the end of my barrel. I was like, all right, I will forever be a waterfowl hunter. And then we got connected with these twin brothers on the Mississippi. And I remember we would go out with them all the time because it was like an hour away from where I grew up. And so me and my dad would go, they had boats and they'd take us out. Well, we, we were hunting one day and it's all like wetland right off the Mississippi hunters mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, you hear shots all over the place. Well, I see these birds flying in and I had hunted enough to know that I didn't know what they were like. It didn't look like a duck. It didn't look like a goose. It was a cormorant. And oh, yeah. all of a sudden these things are flying in, in a V and I hear shots off in the distance and then I hear the whole marsh light up with hunters like, don't shoot. Those are cormorants. And so everybody stopped shooting at them. Well, on another hunt, I remember looking over and I, I was just watching this marsh hawk just flying. And it was hundreds of yards away, just in the distance, about 15, 20 feet above the cattails. And all of a sudden I just see it go and fold up. And a couple seconds later, I hear. And it was just that no. delayed sound. And all of a sudden, I mean, you should have heard the hunters going nuts. And within minutes, there's a boat just zipping out of there as fast as it can. And I'm like, dang, man, people just, I don't know if it's like reflex, like all of a sudden they see something and swing and shoot. Reflexing, that's not an excuse. Well, yeah. I well, think yeah. It's... Oh yeah, I'm not saying it's an excuse at all, but I'm like, how do you, how do you mess that up? Like, how do you not identify what you're pulling it the trigger sense. on?
1: Yeah. Carelessness. They just, they're, they're ignorant to the, what, you know, the identification of the bird. I mean, I think it was, it was two years ago here. These guys were, it was like a 17 year old kid. And then it was two other younger, like they were minors, 15, 16 years old. I think there was three, three of them total in the boat and they killed, they killed the two trumpeter swans. All right, guys, if you
0: enjoy this show and you want to know how to make your own, I'm going to tell you about something called Anchor. It's an app that I've been using ever since I started, and it's completely free. Like I said, I've used it from the get-go, and I haven't had to pay a single penny to distribute my podcasts through this app. They've got creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone, tablet, computer, so you don't have to get a bunch of fancy equipment in order to get started. Now you can also add songs directly from Spotify into your episodes. So, I mean, you can create whatever you want, something that nobody's ever heard before, and it's so easy. Just click and drag. Anchor is also going to help you distribute your podcast, and so you don't have to upload it to all of these different platforms. Anchor can be that central hub that your podcast goes out to all of the other platforms through, and you can make money without any minimum listenership. So, I mean, you heard that right. You can actually start making money right away, no matter how many listeners you have. So, what I'm getting at is, it's basically everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So, go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, my
1: yep. gosh. They were they were goose calling, and they're calling it, so they're like letting everybody that's hunting on that lake know that hey, we think that these are geese. And everybody's like, those are trumpeter Swans. And supposedly the story goes that somebody had already had screamed out before they shot and they shot him anyway. They got oh, caught. And man. oh, yeah, they got caught. The DNR was the, the DNR was at the launch yeah. so fast. And oh, I don't yeah. know what ended up happening to them, but it's that's such a big thing with waterfalling, is bird identification, and it's it just seems like it's getting worse and worse every year. I mean, yeah. it's in the regulation book. Like, okay, they this make apps this for it. Yeah, they make apps mm-hmm. for it. Like, take the time, study it, study it, learn it, do it right.
0: Yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, you got to study it. And then the more you're out there, even if you have to get out and not pull the trigger at all, like just mm-hmm. to get out and watch birds and have somebody with you that knows their stuff, because you can identify birds just by their wing flap, like once you have been out there long ago. Or long enough. My cousin, I remember he had been hunting way more than I was. And I'd go out with him and he'd be like, oh man, like, look at those widgeons. And I'm like, dude, how can you tell that's what they are? They're hundreds of yards away. And he's like, I promise they're widgeons. Just watch when they come in. They're going to be widgeons. And they'd come in and sure enough, they were widgeons. I -hmm. remember one time he, uh, these birds came in and I had been hunting long enough and I still, I will still debate this all day long we shoot three birds. And I, I said, you know, I just shot, I don't remember what the species were. I think I said, you know, I just shot a mallard and he's like, well, I just shot a widgeon. And I was like, no, you didn't. And we fought back and forth about it and they were laying out in the water. Well, I think the current like, like shifted everything down because we bet on it and we bet a lot like hundreds of dollars on this. And he ended up winning once we went out there. He's like, I promise you I'm a hundred percent. So Luckily he was living with me at the time. So I was just like, I'll just consider that your rent money for, (laughs) for a while. (laughs) I I won't make you
1: pay rent for the next month. Um, When I was growing up, my grandfather, you know, as he was making decoys, he was, every time I went to his house and I was, I was young, he would have die casts of um, each duck bill and goose bill. And they're just gray die casts, just the bill alone hanging on the wall. And then he would have black and white pictures of just wings, shapes, and then he'd have colored. And then every time I went over there, I mean. Oh, he'd quiz you? Quiz me. I was like, you're not going to going to eat dinner until you, I mean, it's been so ingrained into me. He would test yeah. me every time I'm there. That's like, awesome. no, you're not leaving this workshop shop until you know each he duck bill. starved waterfowl identification. Dude, in it's insane. <laughs> and, and now? And now it's something I can, I can, oh, yeah. waterfall. it's, it's like second nature. And I, I, I thought it was just ass nine when I was younger. And now I think I'm up and down for it. Oh yeah. You know, it was, it's crazy. I can still to this day, remember each, but I can just take a picture of a bill. That's not even colored just by the shape and tell you what duck it is. It's, yeah, I awesome. think for it, you know, how often when you're snug goose hunting cause specks and snows, especially in the spring, they, they mix up together. Snows, yeah. Like Troy said, <laughs> we're on your live on TikTok there. And Troy, who said that is one of our main guys. And uh you know, specs specs, lessers but oh, specs, specs during s- snow season. Yeah, but specs and snows specifically. I mean, they do. you're sitting there and you're like, All right, guys, these are these are blues, these are blues, they're coming. Oh, their are specs, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Like, There's a lot of residual. But, yeah, I mean. How many, because of misidentification, how many speckle geese die during spring snow goose season? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Every day, there's, yeah guys that jump shoot, that's, that's another See, topic I, I guess
0: I don't do enough um, different goose hunting. Like, I mean, I've really only hunted for Canada's. Canada um, geese. But I, I shot my first snow goose last year. Um, but, like, the difference between specks and, and blues and snows and all of that, I can tell what a snow is in comparison but I just don't have enough time like viewing the other birds and I just haven't had opportunities. So I never put in the work to identify them. But um, yep. I think in Missouri it's broken down by white fronted geese and dark geese. Yeah.
1: Speckle belly geese. yeah. yeah. Yep. So I,
0: I think it's all, just... all the geese would be fun to hunt. I mean, some of the, some of the stuff that I've seen, like we, we did have one speckled belly that came in with Canada's one year. Uh, when i was out in colorado and everyone pulls up and they're like shoot the speck out back uh-huh. and i mean every <laughs> i had the whole front of the blind to myself that i'm shooting out of because everyone heard speck and they swung around <laughs> and we ended up getting it and it was apparently a really small speckle belly they're like oh this is yeah. a juvenile like didn't have any bars across his front like just barely but it's, um, it's the going, point yeah it's yeah. the
1: point of it because a couple of years ago which is this is pretty much unheard of but we were, my buddy, Logan, Harry, and I, who Logan's a part of our, our group as well. We were in central Minnesota on duck opener. Or no, it was, yeah, it was duck opener. Yeah, I guess. And we, we shot a speck and a snow that morning. Both came in, one, one group of Canada came in and had one snow goose there. We made sure it fell out of the sky. We weren't yeah. letting nothing leave. Here, what happened? <laughs> and then, sure enough, the next flock, a, a group of geese came in, a group of honkers, and that one speck was in back-to-back flocks. They were just alone with this with this flock fan of geese. It was, so it was unbelievable. They yes. get lost. We shot a speck last year up in, uh, in northern Minnesota, north central. Well, oh, yeah, north central Minnesota. We shot one. It was unreal. Had bars on it and everything. Good looking so did that when we shot it's yeah, I'm crazy sure not, the things that we, can that can happen my wife ground up the meat and put it in spaghetti instead and <laughs> she, she she made the joke and she called it specketti. oh that's, <laughs> good. Oh, that's like, good. pretty good i'm a
0: huge fan of dad jokes
1: <laughs> oh yeah just cool. bad
0: jokes in general
1: and my wife is the my wife is the queen of dad jokes
0: that's awesome yeah uh man, I had a thought and now I don't remember. Oh, I was going to say like what, what you were just saying, you had one snow and one speck come in. I've never been in a position where I can just like target specific species of birds. Most of the places we go, it's like, man, we'll get a mixed bag limit. However, that looks like we'll stay within regulations. But I did go on one hunt in central Missouri where, uh, we limit, we got our four mallards, For the morning and we had them all by like eight o'clock it was me and two other guys and the other two guys had shot their other two birds I don't remember what they got but they were like dude what are you what are you going to shoot as your sixth bird and I said I'm going to wait for a pintail or a wood duck drake like one of those when they come in I'm going to blast one and we sat around for like an hour and a half and we had mallards dumping in in front of our blind like right in our decoys all morning long and it was It was, I mean, it took us longer to shoot my last bird than we all limited out on the rest of our birds.
1: Yeah. Isn't that cool, though? Oh, it was so
0: awesome. And I just waited and waited and waited. And I had never shot a pintail at this point. And I was like, sorry, I had shot a pintail hen on the Mississippi once, but I'd never shot a drake. And all of a sudden, I see this group of mallards coming in. And one of the last ducks in the group just had a pin sticking off its butt that long. And I was spring. like, oh, yes. I'm like, this is the one, this is the one. And sure enough, they circled in, landing gear down, and I pulled the trigger and dropped it. And it was like.
1: Oh, I thought you were about to tell me that you missed.
0: <laughs> and then I accidentally shot three mallards. No. Uh, <laughs> I
1: no, I ended up getting though, it. And know. it was
0: it was the coolest feeling ever, like actually isolating a specific species. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and going for that, it was a lot
1: of fun. Collective waterfall hunting is is so much fun. Every single year when we're out shooting, we do a lot of diver hunting in North Dakota, and we'll shoot our limit of bluebills and then we'll shoot. You know, we'll focus on redheads and canvasbacks. We'll shoot our limit of canvasbacks, and then we'll start picking out shooting only redheads. And just, I mean, I have footage of countless number of birds you know big giant flocks of, of divers coming in right in our face and and now and then it's just a show at that point yeah and you just pick we've filled out every part of our limit per species and you know every day and it's it's selectively it's makes it so much fun the experience is incredible when you do it
0: is there a is there a specific species of duck or goose that you like to yeah. eat the most
1: i to think eat the most i mean yeah to, puddle ducks. And if you're talking ducks, puddle ducks and divers do taste different. Oh yeah. You know, one's feeding off corn and beans and peas and, you know, wheat and whatnot. And one's digging on the bottom of lakes. And, uh, in my opinion, you know, people can say, Oh, I love mallard and the, it's the best tasting duck out there. I love whatever it's, it all comes down to how you cook it. It's all how you serve up the eggs. It really is yep. in my opinion. It, all waterfall is is dark meat it's dark purpley yeah. meat it's it can cook all, i mean i've i've mixed in everything from a day you got divers um puddle ducks and geese you know you know all cubed up And you can't if you make it all the right way it, in my opinion you uh, know, we in. at our house dude we eat it with everything so like, we I, I grind up Canada goose meat and we do, we like, we make tacos with it. So it'd be, it would, you would substitute for your ground beef, Yep. but I mean, I do mix it with pork so that you actually have some fat fatty, in there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but you know, we do it with that. She's made meatloaf with it. It's phenomenal. Um, spaghetti, but to be honest, you can wrap anything in bacon and make it taste better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. the bacon, the bacon, jalapeno popper. At right? the end of the day, absolutely. Yep. Teal I, are really good for that though, because they're so small. Yep, perfect size. If, if you canoe out a, if you canoe out a jalapeno and put cream cheese on there, slap your teal on there, wrap that bad boy in bacon, throw it on the grill. Boom. Oh
0: yeah. Um. Yeah i I mean I think puddle ducks taste the best. I've heard. Uh, so Johnny Morris, you know who Johnny Morris is? The owner of Bass Pro Shops. Mm-hmm. So, owner and founder of Bass Pro Shops. Apparently, I've heard rumor because he's here in town. He lives in the same city as I do. I've heard that his favorite duck to shoot and eat is a coot.
1: Oh, dude, that's <laughs> that's done. been a, that's been a thing for a long time. My favorite grand- thing to shoot, absolutely, because it's a new fad. But no, I know, buddy, but eat, my- oh my gosh, my grandfather grew up on eating. I mean, if you talk to anybody's grandparent that, you know, has duck hunted growing up, they everybody ate coot. There's a yeah. lot of people that eat them. It's actually a really big thing.
0: Yeah. I've never, I think the green feet kind of mess with me a little bit.
1: Well, like, the fact they it that just look like, like they're diseased. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, yeah. Just, they're goofy looking. It looks, like, it, the ivory bill canvas back. The ivory bill canvas back. <laughs> or mud chicken, mud hen, whatever. Yeah. I was going to say it's like a muddy, like a, People eat the shunless waterfowl. That's been a thing for a long time is eating coots. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, I had heard of people doing it. I just thought it was like a super backwards thing, but apparently it's a lot more common than I ever thought. And then another thing that I just found out about that I didn't find out about it, but I found out my buddy does it actually all the time. He takes his birds, anything that he gets and he hangs them by the head and he won't even process the meat until the body basically falls and separates from the head.
1: Yeah, and Aging meat is
0: huge. He did that last year. He had these two geese and the, the garage smelled so bad every time I was over there. Cause I actually um, renovate the campers over on his property and I would go over there and it was almost a full month after goose season ended. It was the last three geese that we had shot and he had them hanging in his garage still. And he's like, I promise they're going to be amazing. And so one day while I'm working, he pulled me in the shop. He's like, Hey dude, I'm going to breast these things out and you're going to get to smell them. And so he did, he opened them up, rested them out and he held We're it up and he's like, smell that meat. And I smelled it and it smelled like sweet and nutty, but like a good smell. It wasn't like rotten meat smell. The rest of the birds smelled terrible, but the meat smelled really good. And he's like, it'll be the best waterfowl you've ever had. It was it? I haven't, I didn't try it. Uh, he, he ended up cooking it when I was out of town. And so I didn't get oh. to try it, but I got to smell <laughs> well, it at least. It's a, curious it's a huge
1: it. thing. My, we have a really close family friend that we, we hunt with quite often yearly. Um, he lives in Alaska and he does a lot of duck hunting up there. And he hunts everything up there. Um, and he ages all, everything he shoots, he hangs and ages for weeks. In, a, okay. in, a, in one of his sheds. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's deer, caribou. Um, all I of the, fat behind the eyes on caribou is
0: so I heard it's like do. dough. Yeah. Go. Yeah.
1: I, mean, just I dug out Dr. the Steven. eyeballs. I dug Steven out the Al-Paper. eyeballs
0: on my elk, uh, that I shot a couple of years ago. And because I, I had to carry the skull out and we were packing it out a long ways. And so I was like, I'm taking out all the, I mean, I, I skinned the head and everything right there left the bottom jaw behind. Um, but I dug the eyes out and there was that fatty tissue behind the eyeball. But I did not try it. I was like, dude, absolutely not. Maybe if they had me as a guest on Meat Eater, I'd try caribou eyeball fat. But not Maybe just on he's my even own. coyote.
1: What was that? said he's even done eating coyote. You know that? Oh, he's coyote. eating coyote he and monkey. Oh, do everything.
0: No, I'm out on some of that
1: stuff. Oh, nah. me too. I, I don't need to do it that bad. But no, nah. if I was him, I'd definitely. Nah. In
0: his position. I mean. Uh-huh. If I was starving oh, yeah. or I made that much money, sure, I'd give it a try, but yeah. I'm not gonna make it part of my daily menu.
1: Or like uh like Andrew Flair. Like I think him and his buddy have like I think it's like they've tried like raccoon and like yeah, everything. Beaver and a bunch of well, beaver's dead, and so is uh, uh porcupine. So they're not popular ones like the number one survival meat you can do is eat porcupine. Really? It's the number it's the only thing you can eat raw, Health. The, the Things you, you eat... know. You need porcupine <laughs> raw and, uh, I've eaten raw pico venison
0: pico. before, not like huge chunks of it, but we'll have a, we'll be skinning the deer. And my buddy, Brad, he's, he's the one who's known for doing all the weird stuff. Like, like he'll bite stuff. his, he'll bite the duck head to kill it. If he asks to. I mean, he's just that guy. And so yeah, we're like, we we're, were skinning, we were skinning a deer one year and he just shaved off a piece of meat, like off the back hawk and just threw it in. He's like, here you go. Handed me some and I tried it. And I was like, it just tastes bloody. Like gamey, you know, bloody. We my yeah.
1: dad, what a couple of years ago, we were in North Dakota, and one of the young kids that was with us, my buddy's younger brother, he was like 12 at the time. And my dad was like, Well, you know, you shot your first duck, so now you gotta eat the heart, you know. Oh no. Um, and dude, kids saddled right up. He was a bunch of dudes, we were all drink cocktails in, in the cleaning house, cleaning all our birds and shooting the shit with the other hunters and whatnot. Yeah, we got video of it. He saddled right up and ate that entire heart raw. Oh god! My, my dad didn't think he'd actually do it. You know, it oh, yeah. was kind of it was kind of like the old Red Dawn deal. You know, you shoot your first deer, you gotta drink yeah, the blood. drink the blood. Yeah, totally pulled it. And we're all like, yeah, well, I did it. I did it. You know, we all just didn't. <laughs> kid, not just, a single one of you has. Nope, not a single year one of innocent twelve year old boy just absolutely smashed it. <laughs> <I'm> Dude, <down>. hundred <laughs> it, shoot the whole thing and swallowed it. And, and I've eaten he's heart like, before, Go. never raw. No, do I mean, what, but it was still funny and, and good and stories. You know, it's all dude. about the
0: story you make. Heart, heart, yeah. and tongue has become some of my favorite meat. Uh, really moose, me. moose tongue, yeah. and moose heart. Whew. Fresh, I mean, day of. that is good stuff right there.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah, I don't we, know. That uh, I've never actually had moose meat before. Oh, I've dude, moose okay. is my favorite
0: <laughs> out of all the meat I've had. Moose is my favorite for sure. Uh, really? Oh, it's so good. I don't, and it could be that like we just worked, you know, you know how yeah, it is when second, you get back, back from like another, just busting you so your hard butt. Hard. Oh, yeah, dude, absolutely. I mean, the quarters on those things are 150 pounds each, you know. At yeah, least. you're carrying
1: another human on your back.
0: And we only had to carry it like 300 yards, but it was still like, I mean, it was through basically a, a river bottom. It wasn't like super mossy or marshy, but like you still had to drop in and out of these little ravines and it was a lot of work. So maybe the fact that I ate it right after, um, doing a lot of work made it taste better, but I think it was just really good. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a good time. Um, so we talked about this before, but share with me again, if you guys could hunt any species in any state, what would it be? And after we talk about this, we're going to get into some controversial stuff
1: are you talking waterfowl only or just anything or just anything anything i mean mine would be waterfall for sure and i think
0: man i don't know i'm
1: so torn between like i have such a i hate snow geese so much that like i have to succeed at it but then at the same time there's something about trafficking canada geese um that gets my rocks off for sure i don't know i think if i if i could never hunt anything again it and only hunt one thing forever. It would, it would be Canada geese, I think for
0: sure. Nice. What about like a dream location? I know you guys like North Dakota. Is there a dream spot like Argentina? Um, Mm. like for me, for for me, for the Canada
1: geese, honestly, my dream location is where, is where AJ and I live Minnesota. Um, in September, we have the molt migration. Um, you know, it's the, the one to two year old non-breeding geese that have all flocked together. They've summered together. Um, and you know, they, they're the first ones that come down. So like in September, so when our season opens up early goose season opens up here, September 4th, you know, we're running early goose season hunts this year, here in central Minnesota, um, do have still some openings left by the way. Ooh. Um, but on a, we call it a tr- you know, a migrator day and there'll be a day with some North winds. Um, and you'll just see hundreds than hundreds of Canada geese. They'll be miles high, but if you and a bunch of your buddies are pretty good on a goose call, you can trick them and you'll watch them just circle their way right down and come right into you. And honestly, I don't think that there's anything better for me. That's mine. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm so obsessed with all of it. It's tough to choose. Um, one thing that's really cool and you might feel the same way if you ever, if, if you saw videos on it or whatever, but uh, hunting chucker. In, like, Nevada in the mountains,
0: mm-hmm.
1: seeing those guys do that and their dogs. I mean, they're scaling those dogs are literally scaling, you know, shale rock and mm-hmm. and pointing birds in the middle of these rocky mountain looking deserts. areas, deserts, and just some of the the terrain out there. I think that would be so cool to shoot a covey bird. I want to say, oh, covey yeah. bird in coveys. Um, that would be incredible. Um, but as far as like waterfalling goes, man, the Midwest is we live right in the heart of it all we do yeah it, it's i wouldn't want to be anywhere else nope as yeah. far as that goes yeah chucker hunting would be that's a deal i'd love to do
0: Chucker hunting would be sweet out in a spot like that in fact uh on our trip to alaska we hiked up this mountain called kashavirov on kodiak island and we got up there and there were ptarmigan up on the mountain sweet yeah yeah and I was like, man, this would be the coolest spot. I mean, like you're in grizzly country, there's black tailed deer almost in every direction you look. And, um, our friend, she brought her Husky up with on the hike and all of a sudden it just took off running. And it was like this far away from snatching this ptarmigan. It was just like flying about three <laughs> feet off the ground and it chased it. We thought the dog was going to go off a cliff, but luckily it didn't. But I was like, man, that'd be really cool to have a pointing dog up here. You can see the ocean in the background. You're in like the most remote area. And just to be out here, tarmigan hunting behind a dog.
1: Oh, it'd be sweet. You know, Troy, our one of our main guides, Troy Austin, he actually just commented on your live feed there. And I would completely agree with him. He said, Alaska King eider ducks, you know, and bearing yeah. sea duck. I would, li- I would, Island. I would be so incredible. It's been a dream of mine to do that forever and ever. It's seeing that and shooting Harlequins on the, sea. I mean, any sea duck oh, would yeah. be sweet. But there's nothing like that, you know, Bering Sea and King Eiders and they're uh, that's some hardcore shit. I mean, they're in four or five foot rollers and high winds, and they're just blasting. They're not even in a layout boat. No, the boat with a blind on it. They just sitting on on the rocks.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I've watch them sit on the rocks rocks, and watch the waves just roll the ducks back into them. That would, I mean, yeah. I've, hunted, I've hunted Lake Michigan. I've hunted on the beach of Lake Michigan. I'd say that's the closest I've been to a situation like that. But we'd be on the yeah. beach, and, you know, like we'd have geese cruising up and down the beach, and we'd shoot them, and they'd roll in on the waves, same type of deal. But yeah. to be mm-hmm. in Alaska, where, like, you could be in the middle of a hunt, and all of a sudden there's killer whales right in front of you. <laughs> like, imagine. Just everything. It's just, yeah.
1: Just that whole, it's, it's, so, it's such an extreme well, it takes away everything that you know about waterfowl hunting. And the only thing that really applies is, I mean, you're in a completely different situation. So you're like, all right, well, I'm not sitting in, I'm not sitting in, you know, I don't have spinners going. I don't have any of that. It's just completely different. You're hunting on yeah. open water. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, that I would be. I really forgot about that type of stuff.
0: That would be, uh Really fun hunt. I want to man, I want to waterfowl hunt Alaska so bad, even just out on those big river flats. I mean, you can hunt all the species we do down here, but just in a much more scenic spot.
1: No, yeah. Yeah, like I was telling you earlier, my buddy Matt Delstrom went out there with those fowled reality guys and he said it was a blast. Yeah. And he said if you know, if you ever had the opportunity to do it, do it again for sure. Yeah. Let's uh
0: let's talk about something controversial because I know Ooh waterfowl guys and their gear their clothing of choice the shotgun they use can be a hot <laughs> items oh, So yeah. i'm curious what shotguns are you guys using
1: well uh, i'm we're both on the same page both i mean as far as winchester shotguns for auto loaders, and we both shoot them and i'm a big browning and winchester guy no matter what i shoot a no browning synergy over under three and a half inch over under love it to death and i also have a winchester not a loader just as he does he has the x2 x4s and uh it it, guns are i would say less controversial than clothing as i'll tell you that (laughs) that's for a fact because like everybody and their brother loves to shoot benelli and i can't i can't shoulder a benelli and it just doesn't fit browning made browning made shotguns or winchester same company obviously yep they fit me no matter what browning or winchester i pull up it fits Mm -hmm. and reliable i've been biased from it just because because of that but uh funny quick side story on the guns so me and uh, obviously before she was my wife we're living together and her and her family are dropping not so subtle hints you know where's my ring when is this happening how are we doing this Uh, When it's like I need to know a date and a time and all that. So um I got the permission from her dad and all of that. And I we I was picking her and her girlfriends up from downtown Minneapolis. I picked them up. They were just drunker than a skunk. (laughs) And uh she's like just giving it to me, like, where's my ring? And the next morning she wakes up and we're talking and I'm like, all right, like I'll make a deal with you. Like I'll give you an engagement ring. If you buy me a shotgun. And she goes, I will go out that day and buy you a gun. And I'm like, no way. Like, all right. I kind of wrote it off. Well, so we had this huge engagement party the next morning she wakes up. She goes, all right, you ready to go. I go, what do you mean? Are we ready to go? Where are we going? She goes, I'm gonna go buy your gun. I'm like, Oh, you're actually going to do this. That and is she bought me a, awesome. She bought, <laughs> she bought me a, yeah. I ended up deciding on the Winchester SX4 because I didn't know what I wanted. I, I shouldered the Benelli three or four times, you know, at the store. Cause obviously you can't shoot it. Yeah. Um, which is kind of dumb. I think, I think you should be able to test shoot a, a gun if you're going to buy one. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just chose the SX four. Um, as far as the clothing goes for waterfall, especially that's, that's definitely a hot button. You got guys that like Drake, you got guys that like banded gear, you guys, you know, you had Sitka guys. I mean, I nobody likes the Sitka zippers. We'll just say that first and foremost. There's not a single person on this earth that likes Sitka's zipper system on their bibs. They're terrible. I'll I'll tell you to start to start that conversation. In my opinion, the the clothing and shit you wear, and and this is a huge huge issue that I see across the board. People literally will completely judge you upon what you're wearing,
0: uh-huh. and oh, it yeah. should be
1: how you hunt and what you're what you know and your knowledge and your and what you practice and how you are in the field. Um, that I should yeah. have no bearing on who's what. Yeah. No, it doesn't. But as far as or like who, as far as what works, I mean, I know that Sitka Gear has the Gore Tex stuff, and I think I think Beretta is coming out with a clothing line that has the same Gore-Tex system that Sitka does. And um I think Dive Bomb is working on something very similar too. But uh yeah, I don't know. I mean all of us we like to wear Sitka gear. None of us like the zippers. Say that first and foremost, not a fan. Fix it. Um but it keeps you dry. It keeps you warm. And when you're waterfall hunting especially that's that's key. Oh yeah, because you're hunting some of the you're you're hunting in some of the harshest conditions. You know, your best opportunity to go into a field hunt and shoot your limited ducks and your limited geese is you know it's a blizzard outside. All right, well I'm going. I'm out. Yeah. I'm in the field. I'm ready to go. And you want to? My dad always used to say it. It's better to be too warm than be too cold. Well, yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. You. That's. I you could, gotta be. You gotta be dry. I could give a shit about what it is. Yeah, <laughs> totally See, that's, shit
0: that's how i am I'm Like, if you've got the money
1: or something let me go hunt Dude, I'm like, if you've got own... the money and you
0: and you like the gear like buy whatever you want me Absolutely i don't think i that. have a single item i'm trying to think through all my clothing i don't think i have a single item in all of my hunting clothing that i paid more than like 30 bucks for my favorite jacket that i've ever owned i bought at a thrift store it's a cabela's jacket from like probably 1980 something and it's i mean it's big it's heavy but i throw that thing on it could be 20 below zero i put the hood up i'm riding on the boat with my back to the wind and mm-hmm. i don't feel a single bit of breeze and i will wear that jacket
1: until the day i die dude i like so, i even wear some old school shit. like columbia has made some incredible oh shit. yeah columbia has got that old school camel pattern too oh well, yeah well yeah they have that they have there's there's tons of stuff i i I love Drake stuff too, and people make fun of me all the time, and I love it when people make fun of me. I do. <laughs> I just fuels me.
0: Oh yeah, it
1: I don't, totally not, fuels me.
0: I don't get butt hurt by the gear. I'm like, hey, once we're out there, and we'll see who we'll see who shoots more birds, and then we can have a conversation
1: after. <laughs> do it. I had a guy last year when I was on his mat. I shot. We I shot a banded bird. We had one of the best buddy hunts, like a gentleman hunt ever. It was awesome. We were taking turns filming, and we were just birds would come in the guy on the left would shoot and then the guy in the middle would shoot next next round and then the guy on the other end would shoot it was just super fun i ended up shooting a nice band of bird and uh i was wearing a like a i don't know it was a mossy shadow grass or something like that sweatshirt in mm-hmm. my black vest and jeans and we were in blinds. i've hunted in hundred geese and blinds ducks wearing that shit you'd be wearing an orange all, shirt, yeah all yeah. the time yeah. did not matter and totally was making fun of me, ripping on me for now, seever sick uh, no, on your old employers: Oh my old employer <laughs> <laughs> but it uh I was like, yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm the one holding the band bird here, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. obviously I't do anything, anything wrong, yeah, yeah, And then you went to go get out of your blind to go pick up that <laughs> oh my bird. God, and I he dislocated, tore his... dislocated my left knee. yeah, he dislocated his knee getting out of the blind. went and got that bird, bird with your dog on the other end thought I'd walk it off. <laughs> I dislocated my left knee getting out of the layup line last year oh, on that same. And, and like it happened and I was in so much pain and I was like trying to hide it and trying to play it off. Like I wasn't some big puss out there, like crying about getting out of a blind. Yeah. And I just like, yeah, walk it off. I walked a couple hundred yards back to, towards the trucks where a bird fell with his dog and walking back. I'm like, yeah, it's not so bad when I would just walked it off, act like nothing happened. No, it was not Okay. So me picture the next day his knee was like the size, of like a soccer ball, dude.
0: It was bad. Dude, the worst injury I've ever had was hunting and it was a knee deal too. It, it was terrible. I mean, I hate getting hurt. And then especially when you're doing like the thing that you love and all of a sudden you're like out of commission. I yeah. literally couldn't bend my knee for a month. I could like sitting on the edge of a bed, letting my feet hang. I couldn't extend it at all. Like I'd tell my body to do it and it just wouldn't do anything, but we were teal hunting. And my, my waders got caught in the mud. And so I was like trying to get back cause we had more teal coming in. And all of a sudden, like I just dropped down to my knee in the water and it hit the bottom and I just felt something sharp. I mean, it felt like, like, you know, when you get a sharp pain, like a funny, like you hit your funny bone or something like that. It almost felt like that. And I got back and I sat in the blind for the next hour and a half or maybe a couple hours. And by the time I went to stand up, I couldn't move my leg. And I was like, what yes. in the world? And while I'm sitting there, I can feel liquid in my boot and I thought it was water. Like I thought when I went down, like I got water in or something and we got back to the truck and I took my waders off and from my knee blood. down, it was just blood. I had what? to have That's... the ambulance came. They had to call an ambulance down to this like remote boat dock. Dude. It, it <laughs> was messed up. It cut all the way down to the top of my kneecap and uh, I had like flesh butter flying out of it cut it cut through my waders through a pair of coveralls sweat uh sweatpants and long underwear oh,
1: so what, was it? what was it
0: no idea it was just something at the bottom of the lake bottom of the hole that we had busted out in the ice wow. it just sliced right through everything i still have a scar and uh
1: this was yeah. in wisconsin
0: no it was here in missouri
1: you're lucky Damn. you're lucky you didn't like sever a tendon or you're- well, that's
0: what they said. They said it was really close. The worst thing, though, the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. They took this huge needle and put it in under Inside. my kneecap, under my kneecap oh, in the uh, joint. And they just pumped fluid. I mean, one after the next, they just pumped fluid through. They're like, we can't risk there being like dirt or like a rock or something that got down behind right. your kneecap. And oh my gosh, I've never been in that much pain.
1: No, Yikes, no the things we
0: no. do to chase after little birds that fly and land on the water. Yeah, like,
1: that's a way cooler no story than mine. All I did was yeah. turn out of the blind, like my boot was in the a boot bag. It was pathetic almost. <laughs> I was, yeah, <laughs> Matt's like, whatever. we didn't know what you're trying to yeah, He's like, dude, I just dislocated my knee. I'm like, shut up. No, you didn't. Like, there's geese coming. Shut up in your blind, cover up. And like, just totally dismissing it. And he's like, holding back tears, dude. It was bad. I, dude, I, when we recorded the last podcast, he had like. Some migraine. You had a dude. migraine. You ended up like throwing up and like... Oh, no. Dude, wait, was, you were
0: just so nervous to talk know. to someone so famous.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, like, <laughs> that's what Matt said. I'm like, no, dude. I, I get in front of people with sales. Like, that's what I do for a living. I'm in front yeah. of people all the time. I love it. It fuels me. And like halfway through that podcast, dude, I was getting the sweats and I was trying to like bury it for oh, like... The no. I was I was looking at the clock, like just burying it and burying it... Did not last a long. We bit. hung up and I look over at him and he's like dripping sweat. He's like, is it hot in here? Like, are you sweating? And I'm like, are you okay? Did you get food poisoning or something? Dude, I was oh, like... Oh, that's so good. And we were we were at my office doing that and he barfed all over like in the bathroom. Garbage <laughs> oh jam. my god I, I left and didn't even clean it up or anything. Oh, dude, I didn't even was... about it. Oh. Whatever. It makes fun, funny <laughs> stories. It's all, it's all that
0: matters. Well, so that like... Two duck hunting injuries. I was, we were hunting in uh Colorado right, right away in the morning. We were getting set up, but we got out there late. And we knew that we didn't have to be like really early at this pit because we'd limit out every day, like super early. All the birds would land in it. And we're standing out there BSing as we're finishing setting up all the decoys. And all of a sudden, I look up and like our trucks are parked 30 feet from us at this point. We drove right out to the pit. And I look up and I see these ducks flying it. Like, I don't know the front of the field. And so I reached down and I'm like, Oh crap, where's my calls. And I turn, I realize they're hanging on my mirror in the truck and I turn to run and I make it about three steps and I'm just going down sideways. Like, I mean, I'm like falling. I run right into this dude, never hunted with him before hit him in the leg. He's like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. I must've tripped, got up, start running again. And I barely make it 10 feet, and all of a sudden, like my head is so far in front of my body that like I'm not gonna be able to get my feet back underneath me. Eat it again. And everyone's <laughs> looking at me like, dude, are you drunk? What is wrong with you? To this day, I have no idea what was going on, but I just felt were fell. you sitting? No, we were we were literally just standing up talking, like we should have been getting. Say, in like, the blind. It's
1: one of those things where you like stand you stand up stand too up. fast. Well that that's, like, that's what it felt up. like
0: both yeah. times. I fell. It felt like I just got like super lightheaded and just off balance, but well, everyone's good. like, Dude, have, have you been drinking? Like, did you drink last night or you hung over what's going on? I'm like, no, none of the above. I did have like a bourbon, uh bourbon uh, seared steak at a restaurant the night before, but I was, I was like, saying, I had from a from bourbon that... on the way to the field. <laughs> yeah. I, I,
1: mean, I just <laughs> polished
0: off a fifth right before I got <laughs> out of my truck. You didn't have like your gun in your hand or anything, did you? Nope. Didn't have my gun. I mean, literally everything was already in the blind. We had just finished setting up and the only thing that I still had to do was grab my calls and park the truck and just ate it man twice.
1: That's good. You didn't have like your gun or like nobody else had theirs or anything like that. Oh yeah.
0: I typically don't sprint with my gun in hand, but,
1: uh, I
0: have seen people
1: do it. Yeah. Not a, not a great thing to practice, but (laughs) no, definitely not. That's why they have dogs chase after cripples so that you don't have to. Oh yeah,
0: man, that, that field, I wish I still had access to it because that was the best field ever. We had we had neighbors in the same field, except our portion of the field uh, would have corn stubble in it. Still their portion of the field was already disked and ready for planting the next year. And they would set up in the pit. They'd have a similar size spread as us and they wouldn't pull any birds. Like, no, oh, they would man. all drop down right at us. And then we would leave around eight thirty, nine o'clock, depending on when we limited out. And uh, a buddy that I worked with, he said he knew the guys that hunted there. And he's like, oh, dude, every day they would just wait and you guys would leave and then they'd get their limit. And I'm like, hey, at least they're shooting stuff. Because the only thing they would shoot when we were out there was cripples that, you know, like we winged. And then they try to sail over to their spread.
1: Sail over there, yeah.
0: But well, we are we're already at like a minute or an hour and fifteen minutes. So we can button this one up. But I appreciate you guys hopping on and chatting with me. Um it was a lot of fun. (laughs) We're gonna have to do more of these and maybe next time what we'll do is do it live
1: with each other. I was gonna say I
0: I was just thinking that. I was like, I don't know how to do it, but my wife did it last night with someone she knows and they did like the split screen on the phone or whatever. Um so maybe next time we'll do that, we'll go live on on TikTok, together yeah
1: if you come up for game fair we can do it in my garage and yeah. we can have two bug assault guns going all right as <laughs> long as that flies. bears
0: as long as that bears flag is down i'm oh, no. all I'll about probably
1: it we have one or two more there just for you <laughs> just for yeah, me. man. We'll, that's we'll the blanket i'm going to
0: cover up with right
1: you better watch out i may i may mistake a chicago bears hat for a oh, uh, high bad. for a high point oh, that would go that
0: viral out. on my TikTok if i burned one of those <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I have one that you can I have one that you can burn. It's like twenty years old. Nice.
0: Well, <laughs> hey, thanks again for being on the show. Uh I definitely had a good time and I think people yeah, are. Yeah, thanks like, for
1: having us on. Um,
0: good luck on this upcoming waterfowl season. Hopefully you guys uh get like booked out and as you pass yeah. through Missouri, maybe we'll meet up then too.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: And that is gonna wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. I had a great time sitting down chatting with Matt and AJ and just hearing what it is that makes them excited about the outdoors. And so um, if you haven't already go check out their, their stuff on social media, they've got a ton of stuff out and I guarantee you're going to be seeing a lot more of that this fall as their inaugural waterfowl season really takes off. But um, please go on and leave a review and a rating. I know I mentioned this a lot, but it does help me get it out to more listeners and, I just enjoy sharing stories from everyday hunters, people who love the outdoors as much as I do, and I hope you guys are all enjoying listening to it. So, until next time, always choose adventure, and God bless.